0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Santo, joined as always by the Joey Fatone to my Justin Timberlake. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: I don't know which generic stereotype that one is. <laughs> All right, is that the if they ever got into a scrape, you is the tough guy guy?
0: I don't know. I don't know what member of the boy band he is, but our very own Lance Bass.
2: Right damn it! If you <laughs> call me Lance Bass, I
1: knew it. I knew it. You called him Joey
2: Fatone. I was like, if I'm Lance Bass, I'm not going to space. And I'm not a baritone. Joey Fatone is uh, is pretty cool. Uh, Lance Bass you know is famous. You know what's great about this? Joey Fatone and Lance Bass in some terrible movie that I would always see on my Netflix queue years
1: ago. That I was like, what the
2: hell is this?
1: Uh, secondary point... By okay, the way, Nate, Kevin, this is Nate, insane. Way we're selling insane. himself with Timberlake here. Let's just let's be honest. There,
0: I just have multiple talents, man. I just uh, I can come at it from many different angles. Hey, Left man, or right. I also can wear shirts that have Bob Ross paintings on them, for reason, <laughs> like he did in the Super Bowl. Nathan
2: said that uh, you know he was you know we were both going to hate it, but it's not like he talked about ninety eight degrees, so we're fine.
0: Yeah, none of none of us are uh, Nick Carter. Is that that was in Ninety Eight Degrees? Nick Lachey. Nick Lachey. Dang it!
2: I used to own uh, your Tacoma Rainiers. W- w-
0: which boy band was Nick Carter in? Was he in a boy band? Uh, he was the
1: younger. Yeah, he's. Oh, he was
0: in the Backstreet Boys, or his brother was. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Nick Aaron Carter was the was this oh. little brother, and he is the the author of Aaron's Party. Come get it. Where, <laughs> uh, and, and also, uh, and also, how I beat Shaq. You know, the story about uh, the story of a five foot. Twelve-year-old white kid who dunked on Shaquille O'Neal. You know, just just normal wow.
2: normal stuff. Welcome to the off season. It
1: consisted of walking up to Shaquille O'Neal and saying, "Sir, may I please dunk on you?" <laughs> and Shaquille O'Neal going, hey, "Hey, that's pretty funny. Don't tell anyone, kid."
0: All right. So th- th- this is what happens when it's an off-season podcast. I feel free to waste two minutes talking about Aaron Carter. <laughs> uh, so, from that point of view, uh, we want to welcome you into the Seahawks Nest podcast with a little Super Bowl review. Uh, we all watched the Super Bowl. Uh, even though some of us thought about not watching it, right? Didn't did I think we all had that moment where we we're like, "Do we even need to watch this year's Super Bowl?
2: I don't want to see the Patriots win again." Well, I remember I said to Kevin, like, "You know what? I may not even watch." And Kevin was like, "You know, I'm I'm going to sit down and watch it," but.
1: I don't know. Well, it was one of those things, like, if it would have started going haywire, I would have definitely not felt the need to pay any attention. Yeah,
0: one-sided either way, I probably would have just walked away from the television. (laughs) That's a
1: fact. But instead, this was an extremely, this was a very fun football game. Yeah, It was was, just really well It was entertaining
0: where, like, you got to see the offensive coaches and offensive players do basically whatever they wanted for a full 48 minutes, one punt. Uh, The team that never punted lost. (laughs) <laughs> That's I, so
1: weird. And one is, sack in the game, yeah, so, and it
2: counted really, really yeah, well. Yeah, it was a really
0: good sack. So, yeah, it's 4133 uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Congratulations to the Bird Bros in Philadelphia and our, our friends over at the... Um, I don't remember what... What's that Eagles podcast you're on, Eric? The Birds Review. Yeah, our friends at the Birds Review that uh, we have done cross-podcasts with. Those guys are pretty sweet.
1: And, uh, you know, Eagles legend... Nick Foles. Yeah,
2: Nick Foles, man. He's uh you
1: know, it, no one else, no other quarterback guided them to the promised land.
2: Nick Foles is it. Not Jaworski, not McNabb, not Wentz, Cunningham. Wentz. Best quarterback no, yeah, not on their roster. Cunningham. Yeah, he probably
0: is the best quarterback on their. roster. Uh, he's probably equal. To, <laughs> I I'm a we're a notorious Carson Wentz haters, so maybe we should just <laughs> just move on with this before people start to realize what they're in for here. Uh the Eagles played really good. Uh what I liked about this game though is that They basically won because they made all those little choices that you – you have that chart, you know, and it says your win percentage will go up by 5% if you go for it on fourth and one right here or fourth and three. And Doug Peterson, which every time he got in a situation like that, he's just like, yep, you're going to do it. And they won because of that. And uh, I thought Belichick played a little bit – he played a little bit more conservative. He played it closer to the vest. That first half, their offense didn't really do anything. They ran a pretty vanilla version of that Patriots offense. And then, yeah, a bunch well, you of, wi- see, you bunch see of was, weird stuff Strip, You know, when, how often does Brady get strip sack? How often does, Gu- does Gus Kowski miss a 26-yard field goal? Like, just there's a bunch of little stuff, and you need to get lucky to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. We saw it in our Super Bowl. We had a bunch of lucky stuff happen right at the beginning of the game and just ran away with it. This was similar except for the game was close the whole time.
2: Well, you yeah. said it was vanilla, but, I mean, Tom Brady over 500 yards passing. And don't forget that trick play was, so,
1: I mean, that's, that's something so, so that right now, snazzy.
0: Right now in Tom versus time, Tom is winning. Because five hundred and five yards, I say forty year old enough a quarterback. But Tom, were- the
1: quarterback, is winning. Tom, the wide receiver. Yeah, I was gonna say there's two, very poor. There's
0: two plays where we saw the age. One, the one where he he ran and thought he was gonna get to out of bounds. It was oh like, god, it's like that oh. old, it's like that old tape where Tom Brady ran the forty and it's so slow. And you and you just watch it and you're just like, he's, you're never gonna make it, dude. What the, what the hell are you doing? Just throw it out. Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. You know, that was what Tom Brady done that play and then. Uh, the other one that was, uh, that was super weird <laughs> was the, was the wide, the catch, right? Where he jumped for no reason.
1: Yep. So, I said he was watching too much Tory Smith tape all game and, uh, had to jump for no reason. And when he
2: was trying to run out of bounds, it looked like the, you know, the shark movies where the person's like, <laughs> I can make it. And you're like, no, no, you're dead. <laughs> so how, on a scale
0: of one to 10, how do you think Lions fans feel now that they've hired Matt Patricia as the new head coach? After uh, watching that game where they gave up 41 points to Nick Foles and, uh, you know,
2: couldn't get off the field.
1: That beard inspires confidence, though. I th- I
2: That's think a if, confident beard. If you're a Lions fan, you've already got so much shame that Matt Patricia makes no difference one way or the other.
1: Uh, I would say on a scale, like we're going one to five, I think on this one, and I think I think you're at a three because yeah. I mean you just had Jim Caldwell, so I mean, and you're
2: not you're not stoked, you're not bummed out. It's just a thing, as you would say, Kevin. Top top Reddit
0: comment on the story. Uh, why is the guy from Epic Mealtime now coaching my lions? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was Know that.
1: your audience, Reddit. Know your audience. Um,
0: Nick uh, Nick Foles, uh, that yeah, so Matt Patricia goes over there. in other Patriots coaching news, Robert Kraft. We all know he hates the Colts. Just full of his heart, hates the Colts Big because Bob of Kraft. Because of Deflate Gate. So the season ends. It, Indianapolis comes out and says, Josh McDaniels will be our new head coach. And Robert Kraft says, not so fast, my friends. Josh McDaniels, I will give you a dump truck full of money and some empty promises if you come back and don't don't coach the Colts. And what do you know? It worked. Uh, he, he totally honey... The uh, Colts have been full-on honeydicked. It is... Uh, they, are is they are no longer uh, being coached by Josh McDaniels. How do you guys feel about that?
1: That's rough if you're a Colts fan. That hurts.
2: Nice reference from the interview, by the way, Nathan. I love the term honey dick. Um... I don't know where the Colts go from here. They interviewed Chris Richard, uh, which I'm sure was just uh, a formality. The rumor
0: was their their uh,
2: offense coordinator McDaniel
0: was going to be a hundred percent Daryl Bevel.
1: Wow. Like, yep.
2: That's the word. That was the word.
1: Maybe yeah. they'll just give Daryl Bevel the head coaching job now.
2: That would be something, wouldn't it? That would be. Wait, a he thing. doesn't have a job yet, does he? Nope. nope. That's because there's rumors that. Uh, wait, where's uh? Who's Arizona's head coach? Do they have one yet? Nope. Wow. I guess it's not all bad for the Colts. There will be uh, a bidding war. Let me
0: let me look at who and somebody's going to lose and get Jeff. Fisher. Oh oh wait they they got they got Steve Wilkes. I'm sorry, I I knew that too. That's, I did not. That's that's Carolina's DC. D.
1: Uh, wasn't that the bouncer from uh, 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 Jerry Springer that got his own show? Uh,
0: I don't. I'm not Jerry, sure, but that that's the old. D, that's the D. he would just finish his first season as the DC for Carolina. Um, Wait one th- season?
1: Yeah, because if you want to be a head coach, go be the DC for Carolina. Yeah, wow. and, that, uh, and yeah, he McDermott, who went to uh, the Bills. That's too funny.
0: Yeah, Patrick Peterson was excited about it, so I'm sure that will work out perfect. Um, yeah, I don't. They're, put it uh, this
1: way: less worried about Arizona than I used there's to. There's really
0: one. There's really one job left: the Colts' job. That's it. All the other jobs have been filled. It looks like. So.
1: So uh, the other way to take this is they have their pick of candidates.
0: Yeah, just all they the have good, anyone they want. All the good ones are already taken. They just have to figure out which one they they
2: want. Yo,
1: they're just betting the field. It's really That's weird. what they did here. It's they really, bet the field. It couldn't <laughs> happen
2: to a nicer owner, though. I mean, really. I mean, this guy's full of really great decisions. Jim Irsay. Yeah, Jim Irsay w- did such a great job retaining Andrew Luck. Um, decided, you know what? We're not going to give you an extension. We're going to let this go to free agency, and uh, then we're going to have to pay you way too much money.
1: And then you're going to proceed to not play for us, yes, really, for the next two years. I just,
2: this guy is, uh, I don't know, I really don't think much of Jim Irsay. He's He's got some some issues off the field, we'll say, and I don't think he manages his team very well. And as an owner, that's a big deal.
1: In a league with Dan Snyder, yeah. he manages to stand out as also not looking good. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: All right, so... <clears throat> Um, the NFL, the rest of the NFL news, I mean, it's all Super Bowl this week, right? We, we can talk about our, uh, our bet. Our, uh, we did talk on our other podcast about our prop bets. Uh, did you do any Did you do any prop bets, Kevin?
1: Uh, yes, I didn't do well on them. I did but... six.
0: I went four for six. Uh, I missed, I did over on the anthem, which failed, and probably because Pink had the flu. And you could tell she wanted to hit some of those notes harder and didn't. So I was a little disappointed there. And then uh, I picked, I did Tom Brady MVP. And I was gonna do Foles MVP also, but then I was like, you know what? The, the Patriots are gonna win. I don't. I don't need to worry about this. And then the guy I picked for MVP threw for five hundred five yards, and I lost the bet.
1: Uh, I picked. <laughs> so, I, so, oops. I picked. Then over on the anthem, and lost on that. Uh, that was that was not my favorite thing. Uh, I picked. Uh, what was the other one? I picked that Justin Timberlake was going to wear a hat. Because he's the kind of person who wears uh, stupid looking hats. And he didn't do it. He didn't wear stupid a stupid looking hat. Total, I was really disappointed. Yeah, that
0: was a total, total uh good. I had
1: But I did pick the Eagles to win the game. All right. So I, yeah, You I, made a money line money line bet? I did a money line bet.
0: Nice. Uh yeah, my other bets were I did uh On a plus one forty. I did um Patriots will convert a fourth down, which cashed. I did first play of the game will be a pass that cashed I did
1: um Oh, I lost special team slash defensive touchdown. Danny Oh, that sucked. I did that Danny felt like such a good bet.
0: Danny Amendola will have over, I think it was like 47 and a half yards or 48 and a half yards and I did uh, Al Michaels will say Danny playoff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any prop bets We're but sure. That was like that, a was, good prop that bet. was one of the that was most guaranteed. satisfying caches cuz it was like only like minus 200 and I bet like 10 bucks on it and I was like and as soon as he said Danny playoff,"
2: I was just like, "Yeah, buddy, give me that, <laughs> give me that money." Uh, th- last week on this podcast, I did say I was going to shock the world and pick heads as the coin toss, and I okay. should have bet it.
0: Yeah, and so the best part was is I when that when they're flipping the coin I said I always want heads to win this because I hate people who say tails never fails. And then the when the when the guy called it tails, he said, Tails never fails, baby, and I was just like, Oh man, I hope heads wins now. I was getting like so salty already just because I hate when people say tails never fails. It's so stupid.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, have we imagined that we have entered the off season? Yeah, I'm right,
0: so pe- yeah. I'm so petty when it comes <laughs> to stuff like that. So speaking of and you're a degenerate
1: gambler, it's a really a chance to scratch two itches.
0: Yeah, you know what? I won, so I'm, how degenerate am I really? You know, I'm up. I was up like six bucks from those bets. The thing that sucked is I bet the most on over Anthem, which was stupid. Oh. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's let's. Uh, well, other than the the Danny playoff thing, but but then that that <laughs> one hit so. Okay, so do you guys want to hear the super early odds for next year's Super Bowl champions? Yeah, let's see it. Okay, so the Super Bowl championship odds for twenty eight for the twenty eighteen NFL is in our twenty nineteen uh, Super Bowl odds. Okay, the Patriots are favored to win the Super Bowl plus three hundred. I don't like that. Okay, Packers plus eight hundred, Eagles plus eight fifty, Steelers plus a thousand, Vikings plus twelve hundred. That's the next uh, set.
1: Packers are high up there. Get Packers kind of makes Get sense. Get ready for
0: this though, Kevin. LA Rams plus 1750. That's the next one. Then 49ers plus 1800.
1: Jimmy G. 18
0: to 1. You got to be
1: Jesus. There's, there's so groggy. many
0: teams have behind got the to Niners. Be, you have got to be shitting me. There's no way that the 49ers are the seventh most likely team <laughs> to win the Super Bowl next year. Where are we? It is so dumb. We're 25 to 1. We're like the Tenth or eleventh team down, we're tied with Carolina. Which yeah, screw it, I'm gonna put something on. To that. be honest, twenty five to one, I think is fair odds. Yes, uh, I agree. And I tied with Carolina. I think is also fair. I feel like we're pretty similar spot to them. Yes. Uh, in fact, in, in terms of we're cap strapped, we have a really good quarterback and obvious weaknesses, um, <laughs> just like Carolina. So New Orleans must be around there too. Um, New Orleans is eighteen fifty. I think okay, that that's legible. They, they have they have less weaknesses because they have good, really good rookies on rookie contracts, which is the difference between I think like a. Like a top-tier team and a top-tier team that is more reliable. Does that make sense? I
1: think also we underperformed, and they performed.
0: Yeah, they didn't overperform anything. Jacksonville's only plus 2,000, which I would love. I'd be hammering that if they had a way to get rid of uh, Blake Bortles. But I don't know if you heard this. Blake Bortles has a wrist injury, and since he broke his wrist, if on March 1st he can't pass a physical, they can't cut him. His contract becomes fully guaranteed.
1: Ugh. Yeah. That's rough. (laughs) What
2: kind of contract is it, though? It's like it's like 16000000 so dollars.
1: this would be the opposite of Jeremy Lane. They'd be like, "You better pass his fucking physical." Game. Yeah, no kidding.
0: Because the, the thing is, is if they if they can get him to fail that physical or pass that physical and then cut him, they can get Kirk Cousins, and that
1: that's that's an upgrade, folks. That's Wait, to super be, real. To be
0: fair, they have a ton of cap room, probably right. Jags Jags, they, have, they enough, have Quite a bit, but, but they don't have enough to sign some people. They don't have enough to spend fifty two million dollars on quarterbacks. That's that's the problem. That's Dan Snyder money. Uh, that's that's not because of what they're going to pay you're going to pay this year you're going to pay 28 29 30 million to cousins to get him to come to to Jacksonville uh,
1: maybe 25 or 26 okay
0: so you are paying 26 million dollars to cousins and you also have to pay seven that's 43 million dollars on quarterbacks
1: that's a that's a lot of money
0: that's too much too much money yeah you can't do that you can't spend that much on one position group um the on, of these like when i look through the odds the ones that i think the most interesting are like ravens plus 5000 if they can cut cut Flacco and just get anyone else. Cardinals plus five thousand if like Cousins lands there somehow is really nice to me. Uh and then they don't want you to win money on this bet though. Plus five thousand for a long shot is really not that good. It's fifty to one. Yeah. Like if they replayed the NFL season fifty times, how many times would the Ravens or the Cardinals win the title? Probably zero. <laughs> so yeah. so that those they just they just don't want you to win. This is a kind of a sucker's bet. Uh Cleveland Browns plus ten thousand. Get in there, guys. No. <laughs> I waited for Eric to no, say. No, I will not. There's five teams at plus 10,000. The Jets, the Bears, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Browns. They all start with B except Jets. All right. Great analysis. That's that's my analysis of those teams. They they all suck, too. All right. Maybe one of one of them probably will win 10 games next year. That's how the NFL works. All right. There's
1: one of those teams will make the playoffs. Seahawks bold Se- prediction right there.
0: Seahawks news there was very little this week. Uh I think a lot of us got to we I thought again about 43 to 8. Um, I thought, again, about the play at the goal line. I just thought about, like, Super Bowl memories that I had. Because, like, Facebook memories thing popped up.
1: I thought about how bitter I still am over the Steelers game. Yeah,
0: when they showed that Super Bowl ring for the Steelers game, I had, like, a really strong reaction to it. And I did not expect that
2: from myself. I I was like, I still, uh, you know, I know about the refs, but we were totally outcoached that game. Very upset still. Yeah. Very mad at you, Holmgren. You know that Nick Foles is, like, under contract for three more years? Oh, what? (laughs) is it for real yeah i thought he was i thought he was a free agent this is not they have like
0: a potential out but then he they can pay him like 6.1 million dollars to show up for the next three seasons i think
1: man they're gonna get a like a really nice draft haul for him
0: oh wait 2019 to 2021 years automatically void if on the roster 23 days before the 2019 league year oh yeah now he's he'll, he'll be able to get out of that if he wants which he will I'm going to guess he'll want <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: guessing he's not going to play for that contract. Yeah.
0: All right, so anyway, um, can we talk about this Malcolm Butler thing? Yes, I wanted to. Okay, good. Malcolm Butler doesn't play in the Super Bowl. He's crying during the pregame. Um, <laughs> Patriots have secondary issues in the game. Uh, he, clear secondary clear issues. Clear secondary issues in, in terms of like Roby is not able to cover at all on uh, Alshon Jeffrey. They don't put Malcolm Butler in. Still, what? What? There's all these rumors around. Do you guys have a uh, any ideas about what happened?
1: Here, uh, he's also come out in denial of rumors about him breaking curfew, and exactly what's going on. Honestly, I have no clue.
2: It's Bill Belichick, man, and I feel like you know I've called him the best coach in the NFL on this show. Uh, to friends who listen to the show, you know, tell me that they hate me when I say that. I trust the hoodie in the sense that, I mean, this guy, he's the best coach in the NFL. He makes all the right decisions. I don't know what this was, but he pissed the hoodie off. He did something he shouldn't have done. And Belichick, if nothing else, is all about my way or the highway.
0: Yeah, he played one play on special teams. Like, he did get on the field for one play, uh, which is super weird. I don't don't know.
1: Yeah, something must have happened, but... It, we'll see if it comes out. And Butler
2: can't say anything because then he'll be on Belichick's doghouse forever. Well, he's a free
0: agent. He's, gone. he's a free agent, so I I don't. And the, expect the story him to will do come it. out
1: in training camp next year.
0: Yeah, he needs no. to he needs to not throw everyone on the bus to get himself a good contract, and then once he does, he'll you trust me. There'll be a tell all interview of his side of the story. Yep. Um, I get the feeling that that you know someone probably called him on some of his stuff, and then he did not react professionally. That would be my guess about what happened. Yeah,
1: got in a fight with a coach, something like that. To be honest,
0: he's had a tough year. Like He expected to get traded and get a new contract. He didn't get one. He didn't play very good this year. He played marginal. If the, And he's a restricted free agent, too, so it they could tender him and then get a good draft pick back for him even if someone signs him to a contract. And they have the right to match, too, if he doesn't get a big deal.
1: Which someone will sign him to a contract.
0: Yeah, but he'll, but if they give him a third-round tender, like that's kind of a
2: lot to give up. For well, there's Jonathan also, uh, I've read one rumor that Belichick just didn't have faith in him because he didn't have a great year. Oh, wait, this year was his RFA year. Man, I suck at reading Spotrack.
0: Hey, everyone, just make fun of me on Twitter. This year was the RFA year. Man, I suck. All right. <laughs> I'm the worst, guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's talk about the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks, this week, we're going to cover the offensive line. And I'm sure that everyone has been looking forward to this podcast because there's a lot to dig into in terms of how our offensive line played. So let's just – let's first assess the talent we have on the roster, okay? First, let's do coaching. The Seahawks have jettisoned Tom Cable, and they have signed a new offensive line coach. This offensive line coach is an offensive line coach we know. We talked about it before, Mike Solari. Mike uh, Mike Solari is uh,
1: a very long tenured offensive yeah, line
0: coach he's been around we know what he is he's gonna get the players to do their jobs and this is something that the Seahawks struggled with last year is people didn't seem to know what exactly what they were supposed to be doing on the field so it'll be a nice change of pace for the Seahawks to have someone who's like hey you know do your do your job
1: also <laughs> uh, Solari has shown a preference for a slightly different schematic system. Than what cable ran. Yeah, uh, he runs an inside zone and power system, yeah. as opposed to an outside zone, which means that um, with players like Justin Britt and uh, Jermaine Effetti, yes. you end up wondering where he fits on the roster. Yeah. As far as is he a guard, a center, a tackle, depending on who you're talking I, about. I that's find all in flex.
0: That for in, in a Solari system where guards are going to move. This this is a big thing. The guards are going to move in this system, as opposed to before, where they just kind of run in a sh- straight-ish line or chip a guy and go into the second level or do you you know cut do zone blocking things. These guards are going to pull and they're going to heat seeking missile a dude and blow their head off that seems like something that a feti might actually be good at
1: yeah right right tackles will also do some of this
0: yeah so so like i would love to see a Fetty on like an inside trap and just say your job is to run right here and just if anybody's in your way make them die yes yeah. well, that's an a FETI job if i ever heard one yeah, that's so much better than cake that guy
2: like going outside you know running two yards back and seven yards over to the other side well another, another thing too is, is in a zone blocking system he's asked to make a lot of choices right like,
0: he's got to decide, do I go, do I rub this guy or do I go to this guy? It's it's a very intelligent blocking system and one that is very difficult to execute. And we saw some guys doing really good last year and some play in a lot of plays where guys, you know, the Green Bay game has the couple of the class examples where there's five guys behind the line of scrimmage almost immediately. It's uh, like everyone made the wrong choice.
1: I want to bring up something uh, that we'll get into when we start diving into numbers, but, you know, there's the old uh, Bill James had the. Um, had the test you would talk about where, uh, you know, if you come up with a new metric for pitching and Sandy Koufax doesn't show up on your list as one of the best pitchers, your metric sucks, not Sandy Koufax. Uh, When Dwayne Brown comes into your system and looks a little lost, that's something about your system. system fail. Dwayne... So Dwayne Brown, because he's a zone blocking veteran, he knows what he's doing, and he didn't have a bad year, but he didn't have a good year. Dwayne Brown was ranked out as the 28th best tackle on Pro Football Focus, a
0: 77.9 rating, which was his worst rating since 2009. He had been above 80 for I think eight, seven consecutive years prior to that. So I think it says a lot about yeah what we were trying to do is that this guy had graded out as an elite or or very good offensive tackle year after year after year after year and then this just this last year he went down to you know slightly above average yep so yeah i agree kevin that's dwayne brown dwayne brown is going to be awesome next year just get ready like mentally prepare yourself for this guy to jump straight back up into the top 10 yeah get, uh, get, get ready tackles. for
1: uh a left tackle that will at least be as good as peak russell Okung. yeah i i agree and um, so I just yeah. want
2: an offensive line that's not going to stand around or move so much while Russ is on the ground.
0: So let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the, the guys we currently have on roster. Okay, well Dwayne Brown will be back nine point seven five million dollars next year. We can cut him and save all the money. We won't because he's good. <laughs> yeah, that's a steal uh, of a deal. Uh, Justin Britt is uh, is coming back next year. He's a uh, he's six point one million dollars playing set He'll play center. I'm almost positive of it. Uh, the postage will come back. Postage will be back for a million. Posich will play guard or tackle. I'm not 100% sure how postage fits in here. I think I think he's a better fit at guard than Britt, just because we know Britt can play center at a really high level. Um, but those guys could swap spots, too. I wouldn't be it stunned. It wouldn't be shocking. I wouldn't be stunned. Um, postage seems like a better athlete to me, too, which is a better fit in the uh, the kind of Solari system.
1: Yeah, he would Britt- not surprise me at right guard.
0: Britt seems like a more cerebral player, whereas um, uh, postage might be just a slightly better athlete. Britt's really smart. Like he he makes good choices on the football field, which I like. Um, then we'll bring back Odiambo. Odiambo will make about a little less than a million dollars next year. He's, he's a, a
1: serviceable swing tackle. He will be
0: a good rotation tackle if he's forced to start next year. I don't think he'll be terrible in the new system. He'll he'll be
2: average. Um, but that's fine. You can have one average every. Um, let's. Well, also, I mean, look at all the talent we have on this team on the offensive line. And I don't. That's not a Snyder mark, and it's not also building them up. How much of it? How much of the player is going to improve under an easier-to-learn system? Yeah.
1: That's what, that's
0: what's going to be interesting to watch. Okay, Jermaine Ifedi will be back for $2.2 $2 million. Uh, he, he will almost certainly be playing guard, in my opinion. I don't think that—I think his days as a tackle are numbered. You can watch the tape and just figure out why this guy's probably not going to play tackle If anymore. he
1: ends up playing tackle, then I'll be really interested to see what his body looks like and interested in seeing how they use him. But I agree, he looks more like a big mauling guard in Solari's style of offensive line.
0: George Fant will be back to, to try to win a tackle job. I'm not sure if he even makes it to the final roster, but he he is an interesting athlete that's still a, around. And then Jordan Roos will be back at guard. Uh, J- Jordan Roos. There's other guys on the roster right now that are almost certainly going to get cut. Uh, Willie Beavers, Isaiah Battle. I don't think any of those guys have... Much of a shot to make the roster unless we're just desperate for depth.
1: Uh, anyone else, Kevin, that I missed? Uh, no, I would say, well, uh, Joey Hunt at center. He's our backup center. Um, uh, but who seems he's, but he's, not to he's not under contract.
0: He's not our contract for next year yet, though. I'm just talking about guys who we are 100 percent like, n- not even they're on the roster right now. Oh, okay. Now. Then yeah. So you think we could bring back Joey Hunt though as at center uh, to play backup?
1: I think if we don't end up getting somebody else, he could come back. But he's a very fringe roster person
0: with, with Posich and. Britt, do you think there's a chance that we use Posich as just like a super sub? Like, he plays both guard spots and center and just waits for an injury?
1: Not, No. I think we would want to give him a crack at starting. We need him too much? I think that there's too much talent there, especially with a, with a full off season, to add some of that good weight and power that he lacked. Um, there, There's low odds to me that he won't end up being one of our better guard options. Okay, And you know
0: I love Jordan Roos, Kevin. I mentioned him just a second ago. Is Jordan... Jordan Roos, does he is he a realistic shot to make the team next year? Like, is he is he good to go, or do you think that he might get the squeeze as we start to add more players?
1: It depends on who we add completely. I don't think that he's cut by any means, but I definitely wouldn't secure him a spot at all.
0: All right, I mean that he's uh he's got that great three cone drill that I like. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making stuff you up. Now. Love Jordan Roos. I just love him. He's
1: huge. He has a huge beard, and he, he plays really good. He played really good in the preseason. <laughs> he's a big guy and he's mobile. Uh, well, actually, he's not that big of a guy. That's the funny thing. He he's, looks huge, but he's, he's really not that big. He's only like three
0: hundred pounds. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's six. He's six three
0: and three hundred pounds. He's not heavy. He's just anyway. All right. So that's that's our current guys current on the roster. So let's start with the uh, the old. Well, let's just review how they did, Kevin. Overall, <sighs> how did, how did we do? I I have a poorly. Th- I'll do. I'll let me throw a few stats out there. We allowed two hundred and seven pressures last year. We were third worst in terms of pressures allowed per passing snap. The only only teams worse were Houston and Arizona. So how do you guys how do you guys feel about that?
1: There's a stat I find worse, but we'll, we'll wait go, until we get no, there. No, go
0: ahead. Give me the worst one. Let's let's let's
2: just let's just get it. Let's just uh, unless I'm
1: mistaken, Jermaine Fettie led the NFL in penalties for an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. You know, that's depressing
2: okay but also arizona and the houston texans deshaun watson notwithstanding uh those two teams don't have a mobile quarterback uh those two teams did not fashion themselves as a release the ball quickly type of uh play offense. i feel like that almost gives credence to we were maybe worse than them because at times we were worse than those teams I yeah. mean, if you watching those teams, and I unfortunately watched a lot of Houston Texans this year, uh, thanks CBS. Uh, they their offensive line didn't crumble. weren't always on the floor like uh, or on the ground like uh, the Seattle Seahawks were. All right. So how about this, Eric? Let me give you another one. So uh, yeah. so um, among among
0: offensive tackles who had 330 passing snaps or more, uh, Brett, the, only three guys in the whole league allowed more pressures than Jermaine Affetti. Jermaine Fetty allowed 50 two pressures. John Wetzel, Sean Coleman, and uh, Seahawks legend, Breno Giacomini were the only ones that allowed thirty nine year more old pressures. Breno Giacomini. Uh, that tackle. Uh and you know it uh that's that's not that's not great. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's not, not my favorite. He
1: only allowed six sacks and I say only in air quotes that's a lot of pressures.
0: How about this? Um no only one guard in the whole league Allowed as many pers- allowed pressures as often as Luke Jokel and Ethan postage and that's uh, Xavier Suafilo from Houston. Uh, he a lot of pressure on 5.9 percent of uh, snaps. Jokel came in at 5.3, and postage came in at
1: 6.2 percent of snaps. Uh, Obushi was not very good either there. <laughs> I didn't Jokel even, worth that. I didn't even look million.
0: at I didn't even look at Obushi because uh, how of how um, how low the threshold was for how little he played. Abuoshi
1: uh, played almost as much as Posage. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Jeez. remember that about this year. Um, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so basically, when you look at our year, uh, if you look statistically, what Justin Britt was slightly below average. Dwayne Brown was basically average, and everything else was a tire fire.
2: Yeah, it succinct was... and true, Kevin. It was
0: it was not it was not fun. Uh yeah, there I mean there was only like one one lower rated tackle with as with as many snaps as Jermaine Effetti and that was noted draft bust, uh, Greg Robinson and Breno Giacomini. Like these are the the list of guys the list of names of the guys that we're talking about here are just it's not good. It was it it's It's a bad list. It was a bad year and I'm not I'm not gonna lay it all on the players. Like the coaching was horrible. I'm not I was really unhappy with how the how the coaches
1: coached. But that being said, there's also a decent possibility that, you know, it's not going to get immediately a ton better. We believe that there's talent, but remember Tom Cable had a big say in who was picked on the offensive line. And we spent a lot of recent draft capital on the O-line. If that draft capital was poorly spent, then we could be in for a bigger rebuild than we want. But, again you look at a fetty and if you look at draft reports at the time we reached for him a little bit but someone was going to take him late first early second you look at Posich; people thought he was going to go in the second we got him in the second so you're looking at players where consensus around the nfl was these guys had talent so now we have to see you know have they been ruined did we misjudge or is that talent really there
0: all right, so what? So our options for bolstering the offensive line. This is um, where we start to come to a bit of the problem. Uh, let's start with free agents, okay? Free agents, uh, at offensive tackle. There's there's <laughs> nothing, okay? I'm not. There's less than nothing. Nate, there's sixteen million. Someone will someone will overpay Nate Solder because he is literally the only guy who of of this class who is just worth anything. Like isn't he like in his thirties? He's twenty nine. Oh, okay. Yep. That's all still, these all these tackles are are none of them are like let's be honest none of them are like horrible or anything but it's just yeah there's
1: just there's not an obvious upgrade here like Gary Gilliam's one of the five best tackles <laughs> available this is a thin tackle class
0: yeah when i look at the like 2018 uh like the pro football focus 2018 tackle report it's it's a uh, it's slim pickings to say the least like it was it was uh it was harrowing i was like is any i'm like looking for something that's not there you know just trying to think is there anything are any of these guys uh what what about could we could we try to save greg robinson again can we can we try that like that that's that's where i'm at that's how bad it is
1: uh yeah you can basically you can take a mailer on greg robinson who somebody's probably still gonna overpay for honestly because like there's some physical ability there or, like, there's people talking about overpaying for Justin Pugh and trying him at right tackle.
0: Or, like, or like trying to, like, reclaim Andre Smith and, like, make Andre Smith great again. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, hey, he had that time in that one place, remember, kind of?
0: Yeah, he was, like, okay for a couple years. Yeah, I mean, let's get him. He's, uh... No, he's, yep. it's over. Andre Smith's over. Uh, we're yep. speculating
1: on average at the tackle position.
0: That's where we're at. I mean, the thing about this is most of these guys on... On the free agency list, other than maybe Solder and Andre Smith, are probably going to get the veteran minimum. Most of these guys won't get a bone, uh, bo- like any bonus money. Um, so yeah, that's just—it's not—it's not great. It's—it's it's
1: not great out here, guys. I don't
2: want any of those guys unless you can get them on a hell of a deal, like super low money, buy low, high upside.
1: And I really don't even think then.
2: I mean, these none of these names. No, no, no. How,
0: how do you feel about Cornelius Lucas? I like his name very much. Yeah, he was he was a really average tackle for for the uh, for the Rams last year. We could maybe get him. It
1: was he their swing tackle or something?
0: Yeah, he didn't play a ton. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh yeah, all right. Anyway, the, the guards are a little better. There's a couple interesting guards here. Uh Kevin, who are your, who are your favorites?
1: All right, so I want to bring up something I worry about here and that is I want to remind people uh, the top free agent guards the last few years have been getting over ten million a year. That's a lot of money to pay a guard. I will remind you that we're paying less than that to Dwayne Brown at left tackle. So, as much as I would like Norwell out of Carolina, somebody's going to pay him like ten million, twelve million. Um, yeah, but he's good. Yeah, he's good. So that leaves guys like uh, Justin Pugh and DJ Fluker out of. New York. No, oh, there's one guy you're forgetting, Kevin. We could bring back Jari Evans who has
0: a who was actually really good the last couple of years. Isn't he like thirty five? Oh, he is thirty four. He is definitely old.
2: Nah that saved a year.
1: Will he be thirty five by the time the season starts? I
0: mean, just here's <laughs> the thing, we're not getting we're not getting Andrew Norwell, who's at least getting five million dollars a year guaranteed.
1: Like, and it's going to be more than that. It just is. That's the that is the minimum. So it's like okay, we can get uh, we can go for Justin Pugh, who might get overpaid to be a tackle. We can go for DJ Fluker, um, who's familiar with Solaris system from the Giants. But Isn't is is that good? really giving us anything more than we're getting with a Fetty? We're mm-hmm. taking a flyer on a guy who was good in college,
0: unless we're playing paying him the veteran minimum. It just seems like kind of you're just throwing good after bad, right? You're just throwing money away.
1: Yeah, I mean he's a big mauling guard. Is that really doing a lot for us?
0: What about what about this, Kevin? What about, about
1: Jack Muhort out of the Colts? What
0: is there a chance that the team gets creative and decides to like sign a center and then move both Brit and and uh, both guys to guard and then does something like that? Like that's
1: the only thing I was thinking of. Like, and I was looking at like Weston Richburg or
0: like Matt Parad- Matt Paradis. Like yeah. the, those these guys are actually like pretty decent or at least have like really good seasons under their belt. Uh, could could we do that? Like, do you think that's a ch- there's a chance
1: that happens? There's a shot that happens. The only thing with that is, um centers are getting kind of paid too. Like, if you look at the deal that Brett Jones got, you know, they're getting you know seven million, eight million. So that's less than the guards are getting. But how much are we really helping ourselves here?
0: Yeah, it, I, it that it's it de- it's going to depend on the draft that we're, we're going to be like have to wait until after the draft and by that time the center market might already be like even more dried up than it already is right
1: yeah like, i would more anticipate us drafting a center with position flexibility and coming in and letting that play itself out as opposed to signing somebody and investing money into that situation
0: yeah because like ryan jensen's going to get overpaid by
1: someone and yeah i don't know it's it's tough it's tough it's really tough it's a thin o-line market and i feel like people want to put money in the free agent because they know that they can get a certain product and you're better off taking a ticket in the draft i think yeah all right
0: plus ryan jensen looks like a young um mario batali which just makes me uncomfortable he does (laughs) all right so let's uh let's go ahead and hit the draft then, kevin uh We got there's some okay this draft is really good in the middle and there's not very many guys who a lot of people think will get drafted in the first round or two. Uh, That's Uh,
1: changing, and we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, so why do you think that's changing? So a lot of players have shown up for postseason activity and measured out in better than expected ways. Okay, so if you look at the Shrine Game, you look at uh, the. Can you get, Senior Bowl. Can you give me an example of a guy who like really raised his stock the last couple weeks? Uh, so, personally, my my second favorite offensive lineman in the entire draft, Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia. Yeah, Isaiah Wynn This is the guy. Probably that, brought himself from like a third round pick to a fringe first.
0: Some people think that he could be a guard. Some people are like maybe he'll end up as a center. But a lot of people still think he could be a tackle. What? what a, what do you What do you think he ends up? Does he end up playing tackle in the NFL? I think he's a guard.
1: You think he's a guard? I think he's a guard. But I, my big thing when I was watching film is I was watching for people who do something I have not seen from our offensive line in a while, and that is I'm looking for people who finish. Okay. I want people who finish their block. I want people who put someone and pick someone up and dump the defensive line, a defensive player on their butt.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in a similar spot, but I'm not even looking for them to dump on their on their butt. I'm looking for guys that get out in space and lo- and find a guy and actually block him. Like in guys who are like heat-seeking missiles. They find the block and they engage. Um, that is the that is the most impressive thing that a guy could be doing for me because lately for the Seahawks, what we see is the guy gets out and a uh, player will get out into space and then they won't block anyone. They're just standing in empty space and there's no one there. They're not blocking. They're not engaging. They're they not go moving.
1: to a spot, not a man. Right. I was going to say. And I
0: like, I like watching a guy and let me give an example. This is probably the best offensive lineman in the draft, right, Kevin? Quentin Nelson. And one thing I like about Quentin Nelson is when he's running out in space, he finds a guy. And then he, he blocks that guy. And he, he, sometimes he kills the guy, but but he always blocks the guy. He does not, like, get out in space and then miss a block or get out in space and not find a guy. He finds a guy. He's going to block someone. He's going to take a guy out of the play. We need people like this on the Seahawks right now. Uh,
1: do you know that scene in the movie The Blind Side when he, like, blocks the guy out of the stadium? That is what Quentin Nelson tries to do on every single play. Like, he will... Okay, I have to block the A gap. Okay, I'm going to take a half step, anchor, and then just like bench press the defensive tackle. This defensive tackle is 380 pounds. That's fine. I'm just going to bench press him and dump him on his back, and then I'm going to go to the second level and I'm just going to devour a linebacker. And he's so strong at the point of attack.
0: Like he just he just right in the front. He's right in the front of the play, and he's making he's making things happen.
1: And what's interesting is Isaiah Win. Is not quite as big, yeah. but he does the exact same thing. The difference, You'll see him just pancake a guy. The difference between me, between him and Win,
0: is yeah, one the size. He's like significantly shorter and lighter. But if a team sees Win as a guard, it could move him up into a draft slot where maybe he doesn't deserve
1: to be. Does that make sense? If a team, like, if they see him as a tackle, tackle. I mean, no I I'm don't sorry. think anyone does though. That's the thing. He's his arms are going to be too short. Um, he's only like, he's like six, three and 300 pounds and his measurables are going to push him firmly into the guard. And even as a guard, he's like in that, um, Josh, uh, Sutton size where it's not like ideal guard size, but he plays a lot bigger than he is. Yeah. All right. So
0: there, then besides him, there's two other offensive linemen that people besides, sorry, besides, um. Nelson. Nelson. There are two other offensive linemen that people see as first-round prospects, and we should probably address both because any anyone getting a first-round grade should probably be on the Seahawks' radar at least to check yes. out. Um, so we got Mike McGlinchey, who's also from Notre Dame, uh, and we've got Orlando Brown, who's from Oklahoma. So Kevin, what do you? How do you feel about each of these players? Um, start with McGlinchey. All
1: right. So Mike McGlinchey is solid. He is. Really solid Like He's so solid It's almost a detriment When you watch him on film When you watch him play There's nothing that pops There's nothing that's like special You're not saying they're going Oh look at him dominate or anything But he's always in the right spot He's always making the block he's supposed to make He doesn't like finish with a lot of nasty Or anything like that he just always does exactly what he's supposed to do and executes it exactly well.
0: Yeah, he's he's pretty good. At, he does find he has errors in pass protect. He's not like a perfect pass protector. No, but he'd be um, a right tackle for us, but, which would be he'd
1: be an he'd be an exceptional right yeah, tackle.
0: But he's a really good run blocker too. I don't want to like undersell this. Like he's Notre Dame was a really good running team, and he. He was part of that as just as much as Quentin Nelson.
1: The left side of the line was him and Quinton Nelson, which means they could just run left, whether the defense knew it or not. Yeah, and
0: he he sustains his blocks. He's strong. He's he's huge. He's six foot seven. Um, he's not like
1: he's not like really. He could he's going to get bigger when he's in the NFL too. Yeah, yeah. His feet aren't super quick, but he moves pretty well. Uh, he's uses his arms really well, but his punch isn't outstanding. So like he always gets his hands on you, but he usually chops and kind of receives the defensive player. So again, he's just not he, he's not super exciting. He's really really stable though. It's sort of like we talk about Justin Britt. Justin Britt's not like the most exciting center, but he's really like sol- solidly above average. That's McGlinchey at tackle.
0: All right. And then Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown Bla- Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown's huge. 6 foot 8, 360.
1: He's a giant. He's big, he's physical, he doesn't always use his leverage well, he doesn't always use his length well. He's slow. He he has a tendency to lunge because of that. He's he's really high, too. He he reminds me a lot of Jermaine Affetti.
0: Yeah, uh, except for bigger.
1: Yes. uh, If you watch him on film, he looks like a less athletic but bigger Jermaine Effetti. Yeah, I don't I'm not and 100%. I don't sure. want to condemn someone like that, but man, I see a lot of that. I don't want to
0: uh I don't want to get him just because I don't want to I don't want to deal with another development project and he seems like a guy who's not quite ready. To, he did really good in some of his toughest matchups though. Like he played good in the Ohio State game. Like I watched that the YouTube highlights of him from that game and he was good in that game.
1: Yeah, you break um, it down, he looks pretty good, but it's just one of those things where like you could see how he's going to struggle with the speed rush. You can see how he doesn't really move well in space. You can like he's going to be very scheme specific. If you put him on, if you put him in a scheme like what the Raiders ran before Cable just got there, where it's really like man up and swarm a dude, I could see him doing well in a super power system like that. All but right. oh, I worry about
0: him. Okay, is there now? Let's let's get into the middle rounds, Kevin. Our middle round prospects you like? We've already said Isaiah Win any other day two day three prospects that you're into how do you feel about colton miller like i kind
1: of like him Uh, colton miller's gonna go way too high you think he's gonna he's gonna go like early second round Ugh! and i don't like him for that um this is a guy who is behind
0: Connor mcdermott yeah but he's gonna be a good right tackle like i i really liked his highlight i thought he was decent and ucla i didn't feel like was super talented other than rosen So, and he protected Rosen's blindside pretty well.
1: He's really athletic. He's extremely raw. If you don't want a project, then he is not your man. Yeah. And he's going to go really high for being a project.
0: All right. Who else you got? I mean, I'm expecting projects at this point mostly. Like, it's hard to find finished products in the middle rounds here.
1: Okay. So, let's talk tackles. Yeah, Uh, do it. Connor Williams out of Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a little underweight for being 6'6". He was a guy who people thought was going to go really high in the draft, and then he didn't really have a great senior season, um, and he got hurt. And so what I like about him, he has really good physical tools. He does have that kind of nasty streak to him, like he will put you on the ground and lay on you. And then the other thing that I think is really nice about him is that he's sticky. Like There's certain offensive linemen where when you watch, it's really hard to get off of their block. And so when he occupies a defender, you don't see people get off of his block very easily. Like If he gets his hands on you, he can really control you. The problem with him is he was really inconsistent. Sometimes his technique would come and go and when his technique would come and go his results would come and go. So I think a lot of teams won't really know what to do with him and he'll kind of fall cuz physical tools wise he's like first round. How, how big is he? He's 6'6" 290. Oh, that's pretty that's pretty slight though. is, is it, that's it? that's underweight, but I think but he has the frame and everything to add a lot of good weight. Yeah. Okay. So He's one that I'm interested in. Uh, the other two tackles I want to bring up. Uh, I'm hoping you bring up the one because I'm a, I'm
0: a fine purveyor of this person's tape. The one guy I'm, I'm, I'm going to say.
1: Well, I have a feeling I know who you're going to bring up. So I'm going to bring up two other guys. Okay, uh, Brandon Parker out of North Carolina a and mm-hmm. um, He needs to get better on his bend. But he's coming out of a small school. And he's another guy who could be a really good right tackle and possibly left tackle in the future. He has excellent size. Like this dude is huge. Okay, um, he's kind of a shuffler in pass protection instead of a kick slider. He's not super mobile, but when you're and he kind of has a tendency to be too high. Yeah, but he really sticks with the play and makes blocks. Mm-hmm. And the other guy's Alex Kappa out of Humboldt State. Um, Humboldt State. Yep. And this dude. This dude. If you want to see someone who he looks like in the senior bowl, right? He played in the senior bowl. Yeah. I think I heard the name. He played well against like Oklahoma's pass rusher. People are saying he's gonna go in the first round. He stifled him. Um a lot of these pass rushers like the the defensive line talent was good at the senior bowl, and he looked the part. When you watch him play against the D three competition, it looks like a bouncer throwing drunks out at two AM. Like this dude, like there's just bodies flying everywhere. Like when you have a dude that you're looking at picking the NFL playing in that low a level, you want him to pop off the tape. The tape that I could see of him, they didn't say what his jersey number was, and I was trying to figure it out as like the first two plays were happening, and I'm like, "Oh, it's that dude. It's it's got to be that dude." You can tell because it looks like a cartoon of what an offensive oh la- t- tackle would look like blocking and also i mean if you look
0: at the picture of this guy he looks like a guy who would go to humboldt state university
1: <laughs> holy smokes he looks
0: like an old lineman um him and snoop Dogg need to hang out that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> uh all right
1: uh, uh so you're gonna bring up Tyrell crosby right? yeah
0: kevin you know everyone knows i got obsessed with royce freeman tape uh, he was—he turned into like my favorite running back of this class, just because I was like, man, this guy's pretty good. Like, I really like this guy. So yeah, Tyrell Crosby blocked for Royce Freeman, so I've seen him play a lot, and he's pretty good. Like, I like Tyrell Crosby. Um, he was—he missed all of 2016, which is going to be like a problem for some people. But he played in the Senior Bowl, Kevin, and this is what I was going to ask you because I like from the Royce from the Royce Freeman tape, I like Tyrell Crosby. Did he play good in the Senior Bowl, or did he play like trash?
1: Uh, Tyrell Crosby played bang average. All right. Which is what I think Tyro Crosby is. Alright, I'm fine with that though. He's another person where I'm like, man, there's just not something really special about him. No, he's a super solid. He's like a poor man's McGlinchy, which I mean if you can pick that up in like the fourth or fifth round. Some people say he's that's not get bad drafted as high as the second round,
0: which just seems absurd to
1: me. I find that very doubtful. Um, I want to bring up one more tackle and that's Ike Butker. Okay. Out of Iowa. Um if you're looking like at a guy that you might be able to get in like the sixth round, he got injured his senior year. He could be an interesting guy, and right. that's all I'm really going to say. All right. about him. And I'd
0: be a bad person if I didn't bring up my boys, Cole Madison and Andre Dillard. I like them both as seventh round flyers for the Seahawks. Uh, they're both Washington State players, <laughs> Homer. And, and they're they're good though. They're good though. <laughs> okay, uh, they bo- uh, Cole Madison only allowed 18 pressures in, a, in an offense that passed 726 times and dillard only allowed 21 pressures in an offense that passed 734 times when he was on the field their numbers are really good they got pretty, absolutely kicked around pretty, at the pretty good senior bowl yeah which is that's why that's why they're seventh round yeah they it's gonna be good they have to learn how to be real nfl offensive tackles because the system does not prepare them for that at, at wsu with the with the wide splits and all that weird stuff that we do it's okay. not
1: not good i want to move inside all right and i'm gonna ask you eric yeah. Eric, how would you feel if I said, All right, I know we need a tackle, but you know, maybe a Fetty spends another year at a tackle and tackle isn't super great. Eric's but, already walked away. But no. Eric, <laughs> I'm gonna give you a dominant interior offensive lineman in exchange for that.
2: Now Kevin knows where I'm at because I feel like we are two decent guards, not a plus plus level guards, although a plus guard would be dope. We're two decent guards away from being a really solid offensive line. So, Kevin, that sounds great to me. Who do you got in mind?
1: All right, so I already talked up Isaiah Wynn. Isaiah Wynn is a finisher of blocks. Like, when you watch him play, watch him in the senior bowl, watch him in senior bowl practice, watch him on the field at Georgia, blocking for Chubb and Sonny Michelle, and you will see somebody who always is in the right spot is always executing a block and is just putting people on the ground and finishing it. This is a guy who can pull and block mobile. This is a guy who can block zone. He can do everything. And from what I saw of him playing in the Senior Bowl and in practice, he's going to make that transition to guard no problem. Oh, we already know it's a senior, Eric. He gave us some clues. So that's Win. <laughs> yeah, I'm big on Win. I think that he's it. The other guy who I could see as big and so these are two guys I think you know, wait, what is Wynn's size? What is his So Win six, six two three, two, three oh two. Okay small. Um he's gonna end up with like about probably thirty three inch arms, which is why they're not gonna look at him as his tackle. And
2: I'm I'm okay with that. Earlier when you were talking tackles and a six six guy who is like light three hundred, that's a guy who sounds like he is a year or two away, and I do not want that.
1: So I don't here's want somebody, any projects. I'll give you somebody with no weight issues. So, I don't think we're going to get Quentin Nelson. If we can get Quentin Nelson and we don't get Quentin Nelson, I quit. Yeah. That, I'm going to say that flat as out. A,
0: as someone who evaluates, uh, tries to evaluate prospects, if we pass on Quentin Nelson without trading down, da- and we just, without trading down, no, I don't, some, no, no, like, bounty, no.
1: No. If we pass on Quentin
0: Nelson, period, it's pretty bad. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I uh, don't really get it. Do
1: you want Brandon Sheriff from uh, uh, the Redskins? Because that's what you're getting. Do, do you want, you're getting do, that level do talent. Do you want the next Logan Mankins? Like, Like, this guy is really good. So the other person I think is really interesting, who's raw, but I'll explain to you why that won't bother you. Uh, Will Hernandez, out of UTEP, will bench press the earth. He's just one of those people who's strong all day. His technique is a little bit sloppy, and you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, because he's playing at UTEP. I watched this dude play against Oklahoma and other high D1 level competition, and he is just throwing people around. He's another person. He reminds me a lot of Quentin Nelson where he does this thing. See, a lot of people will kind of take a couple shuffle steps back and give themselves space and pass protection, right? He'll take one foot and like step half backwards and then just jam his arms into you and you just once his hands are on you you go nowhere
0: like there's, there's just
1: no getting through him four year starter too don't leave that out
0: like there guys like that always perform better in the first couple years in their nfl career than than they should i feel like like guys who are four year starters and john schneider loves four year starters like that's one of the college college reps you know get that college those college reps in he's yeah. short that's why he's not going to get picked in the first round and Which is like a dumb reason.
1: Uh, I, think, Just, I think Hernandez and Wynn will both be late first round, early second round. And it could be one of those things. If we're sitting there at 19 and Nelson's already gone and McGlinchy's already gone, I could see us trading back a few picks and, hoping and to get getting Hernandez. one of the two. We would want one of the two because I think both of them are difference makers. Now, if we're not going to be able to pick up a guy, like if we're not going to get a guy in the first round or early second round, then a few other people I want to put on your radar – Um, it's a good center crop. And so I could see a guy like Billy Price out of Ohio State who plays both guard and center. And he's another person who's very strong, uh, really intelligent player, and he can come on. He reminds me a lot of Nick Martin. He's a guy who can come in, be an immediate difference maker. Uh Another guy, James Daniels, out of Iowa, who needs to add a little bit of weight, but he's another accomplished player. Plays for uh, Kirk Ferentz, who's a big offensive line guy. I like Frank Ragno out of Arkansas, who blocked in the SEC, and you can see tape of him against elite level defensive tackle prospects, holding his own. And he's a guy who I think I could play, who could flex out to guard or keep it center. And then I want you thinking about. Uh, there's a few guys like Will Clapp and stuff. We're going to go a little later. Uh, Will Clapp was Postich's uh, teammate, but I want to bring up Brandon Mann out of Penn State. He played left tackle cause they needed him to, but he's another guy who'd be sliding from tackle into guard who is just a really solid, interesting player who could go in like the fifth or sixth round cause there's not a great, lot of great tape on him from last year playing tackle, where he's a little outmatched. But he's a guy who could be, uh, at the very least, a swing tackle, like kind of a penultimate backup tackle guard.
2: If you're an O-lineman going late rounds of the draft, who you were a tackle in college, you're going to start out at guard in the NFL. You might move back to tackle. You might just stick at guard, but that
1: works for me. Usually you want position flexibility when you're going that late because yeah. it gives him a better chance to stick on the roster in some role.
0: Kevin, I have a question for you. Yep. Okay, Clemson's offense is, is very good, correct? Yep. How come, like, their they're, they're offensive linemen, like, a lot of them came out and none of them are getting, like, any buzz? Like so they've got what, two
1: guards. It's Crowder and I can't think of the other Hearn. one. Hearn.
0: Hearn. Like, Hearn from the videos is pretty sweet, but he's a junior, and I feel like people thought he should have came back, so they're mad at him. I do It doesn't really make sense to me.
1: Uh, the problem is when you watch him one-on-one, both of the Clemson guards, when you watch them one on one, they get beat a lot. Uh, Hearn, I want to see when we get to the combine because he he'll get seven an invite.
0: The whole year, which is like crazy to me. That's pretty good. So
1: Hearn has a shot. I think Crowder just doesn't have it.
0: You think he's just going to be overwhelmed at the next level?
1: I think he just. The
0: thing about Hearn is he's a junior and he was a captain. Like I don't know. I like a lot of stuff about that kid, and I just don't understand. Sometimes I wonder, like, does the process just you? they get in the process and all of a sudden all the flaws show up and, that I'm missing. Cause I don't watch every game. And then now there's just, he's got some like killer weakness, right? Like there's, there's just one thing that's going to destroy his career. And I don't, I, I didn't find it cause I'm not a professional scout.
1: That's, I have to be able to see a little bit more of what he does one-on-one. Cause it's the thing that can be hard to assess sometimes depending on scheme is movement skills. Okay. And sometimes if you just don't have the lateral quickness, that's when you'll see a lot of like, uh, three techniques, just beating you all day inside. Yeah. And I need to see Hearn in that. So he's a guy who maybe, because exactly. right now he's like fringe six seventh.
0: And Crowder's pass blocking stats are pretty sweet too. Four, only four pressures allowed on 252. But Clemson's a really good offense. So it's hard to separate out like how much of that is the scheme, how much of that is the quarterback. And like
1: Crowder, for instance, I watch get beat all day in senior bowl. Yeah, like, that's another thing. If you look, Hearst uh, out of Michigan just beat him all day in one-on-ones. And Hearn
0: didn't play in the Senior Bowl because he was a junior, so he got away with it. Right.
1: <laughs> and so it might end up being that Hearn is that good. Just like I wonder about uh, Hyatt, who didn't come out.
0: And these guys all have a chance to raise their stock, too, as they go into the... Uh, I, I can't talk right now. As they go into the combine, like a lot of these guys... like. These could all shuffle around in the combine. Someone could blow us away by running like a you know five second forty as a tackle, and then it's all of a sudden this guy and bench pressing a million times. Yeah,
1: a lot of this is really theoretical. Uh, Isaiah Wynn is a guy who really made himself up a lot of ground at the Senior Bowl, and some teams will weigh that really heavily because that's tape and that's coachability. Right, and but like if Hernandez- he goes to the combine. Um, and maybe doesn't do quite as well. For some teams, that'll bring him way back down. But for other teams, it won't change anything. And Will
0: Hernandez is like putting a bunch of good tape out there. But if all of a sudden his strength doesn't show up at the combine, maybe he slips into round three and we get to steal him, right? Like there's all kinds of weird stuff that can happen with the combine. Yeah, that... Connor
1: Williams is going to test like a freak at the combine. And there's a possibility he jumps way up into the first round at the very end of it. And we're going well too rich for our blood. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that we're an hour over an hour, so we uh, well, we did it. <laughs> the,
0: the offensive line is, is crazy, and there's all, honestly, the thing about this year's offensive line class is it's very it's very all over the place. Like, the
1: interior offensive linemen in this class are really really good. The tackles are kind of weak. There's only but like, there's a lot of interesting ones. Right. There's only in like the middle three, rounds. There's
0: only like three sure things, and then there's all these guys that you can make a case for, which well, is it's
1: like I mentioned. Alex Kappa and Brandon Parker, but there's also like Desmond Harrison out of West Georgia, and there's uh, some yeah. other players like... Uh, Isn't there
0: like a guy from like Wofford or like some W... Wa- uh, Wagner. Yeah, Wagner, yeah, Wagner. There's a guy there's from
1: a- Wagner who played right tackle. There's uh, a guy from... Uh, Nevada, who's a tackle that th- people think is going to end up being a center. There's a few uh, Gossett. There's uh, Toth from Army, who's going to c- finish his Army commitment for two years before he plays in the NFL. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And different teams are going to value players differently. But you know, it's, it's unfortunate we don't have some second and third round picks this year. That's one of the reasons I could see us kind of trading back. Because if maybe we pass on McGlinchey but we trade back and pick up Hernandez or Win, and then get a third-round pick and maybe we spend a fourth that? or a fifth on Crosby.
2: How likely is that we actually trade our first for a second and a third? I mean, realistically. It
1: depends on where the picks are. Because, I mean, are we trading a first for an early second and a late, late third? Well, I mean, if it's a team coming up to get their quarterback because their quarterback dropped to 19th, yeah. you know maybe josh allen drops because he put together really bad tape at the senior bowl and there's a team that just wants that freak arm and so they overpay a little bit to make sure they're the ones who get there all right circumstances are interesting
0: all right we got about nine minutes left to uh to hit the movie club but before that we're going to hit the money zone so if you would like to support our podcast you can head over to patreon.com and donate as little as a dollar 24 a month to help us cover server costs soundcloud hosting fees uh cost of uh gear etc cetera, etc cetera. um also if you want to support you can head over to facebook.com slash seahawks nest or the seahawks nest twitter.com slash seahawks nest and give us a follow or a like you uh, every little thing helps itunes reviews all that good stuff thank you guys for all the support you're currently giving us it's um it's it helps you it helps us keep going more than you will ever know um yeah so it's next week we've got uh for the movie club next week we've got a new movie coming out uh, it's a little movie it might make like 150 million dollars it's called black panther have you guys heard about it no uh, no oh, okay well i don't know if you guys know this but the director of black panther also directed a movie came out in 2015 that was really good and that's creed so i thought it'd be fun if we talked a little bit about creed and maybe just rocky in general um what i love about ryan coogler and first of all have you has everyone seen creed um
1: I have not. This is one of my five favorite movies of 2015. Yeah, it was. This re- was a very good movie. When I was
2: going through Amazon like this weekend and the weekend before, and when I was watching Arrival, I was like, oh, I gotta see Creed.
0: All right, so let's sales pitch Creed to uh, to Eric Kevin. So what what's your favorite thing
1: about Creed? Uh, my favorite thing about Creed is that you remember how Force Awakens homages the classic, while at the same time putting a twist on it that made it feel like its own movie. Yes, that's Creed. Like, it feels like a Rocky movie, but it feels like its own movie. It's updated, and they do it with like really interesting things. Like, there's some social commentary in there. Uh, the soundtrack is well thought about, um, the social interactions are well conceived.
0: My favorite thing about Creed is that Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan. Are both so effing good in this movie, and excellent still, chemistry. And too. Stallone is really good too. But like, but Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson are, are both incredible in this movie. And um, what I love about it is just it's it's it is like it's a it does what it wants to do so perfectly, right? Like it it's the sports movie that tugs at your heartstrings, just like Rocky always has been, right? Like there's like there's yeah, Stallone, when
1: Rocky at its best, it's it's
0: just Rocky at its absolute finest. If you want to watch a Rocky movie, uh, this is. This is as good as any of them, I think. I think I put it right in there with, with the very with the very your favorite Rocky. So my favorite Rocky was the first one. And Coogler wrote this movie too. Like it's it's like a labor of love. Like he he wrote this whole thing.
1: My favorite Rocky is the first one. I just the feel of that movie is different than the feel of all the other ones, in my opinion. Um, it was this, super believable. This uh, is on par with that, in my opinion. It is just as viable the characters are very three-dimensional it actually it brings a dimension like nate said to rocky that uh like to the character rocky balboa that felt more real than the last several movies like he he plays the mentor role in a really believable way yeah um yeah, and it's it's it they
0: they shade there's shades of Rocky one in it, right? Like, for sure. There's you see all these parallels between like what happened in this movie and what happened in the first Rocky movie. I don't want to say too much without spoiling it because I've just found out Eric hasn't seen it. Yeah, sorry um, about that. And uh, it's okay. I just thought for sure you'd 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 gotten around to it, but now you got to. Uh, it's it's really good. So let's do a. Instead, they're gonna make a, a sequel. They want to make a sequel. It's in development. They're uh, saying
1: it might be this year's re- uh, a release this year. It's probably gonna be kicked to next year.
0: Yeah, and it's apparently it's
2: Drago's son. Yep, uh, I've
1: actually I've read these uh, these
2: uh, these rumors, and uh, what's his name, uh, Dolph Lundgren is training to look like Drago again. I mean, as much as he can at that age, like because Drago will be in the movie.
1: Uh, so let's finish out the sales pitch real quick for you. Okay, go so ahead. here's my pitch to you, Eric. I I don't know about you, but something I always love is a sports movie where the sports scene feels like the sport oh yeah
2: oh it actually yeah it, it actually feels if i can call a sports movie a, a really great sports movie something like uh I'll, I'll say major league you know it's a comedy but it's still a great sports movie then i'm happy about it
1: yeah and i will say the boxing scenes in creed feel like boxing Okay. you find yourself like i find myself seated and I find my energy level and everything the way I find it when I'm watching an actual like MMA match. Those are extremely well shot. When you mix that with the human interest angle, and again, as Nate said, performances. Uh, man, I like Michael B. Jordan. Michael quite B. Jordan a bit. and Tessa Thompson just absolutely nail it. Every single scene. Um, there's uh, so they are neighbors, and the interactions that they have. Are really like funny and interesting, and the fact that it mixes these two basically different movies together in a way that's seamless, you really feel like you're watching a snapshot of somebody's life and an important moment in it.
0: Also, you know, at the end of Rocky 3, when they uh, when they when he dings the bell and then they freeze the frame, Eric, this is my sales pitch to you, you'll know who won that fight
2: what
1: <laughs>
2: Rocky that's right Rocky tells Rocky
0: tells Adonis Creed who won that fight that's, that's funny. really
2: great yeah
0: Adonis is a great name by the way too. yes I'm gonna start that out there um, yeah uh, so
2: and you guys know uh, I'm a huge Carl Weathers fan so he's not in this movie I know because that he's, because he's dead but it's still it's, in, the, in the movies not I know but life. it's still uh you know
1: it's Carl Weathers
2: fictional lineage yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, there's just all
0: kinds of cool stuff going on this movie that I don't want to talk about, because it's all little spoilers. Like, there's
1: oh, I guess the other thing I'll say is, uh, as somebody who appreciates a paternal angle to a movie, this one plays that very well, in a way that I think is appreciable.
2: You guys like uh, Sylvester Stallone in this movie, though? Because Sylvester Stallone, I feel, in the last six years, I don't know how long... Nah, no, I'm I'm good with him not acting. I don't think uh, it's a spoiler to say
1: Don- he plays a broken ass down boxer in this movie. Yeah. And it's really well done. Yeah, it's really good. It's gritty.
0: You get to see like him like falling apart kind of. It's it's kind of aus- uh Not it's awesome, well but it's like it's acted. interesting. Uh Donnie Donnie's mom too. The um yes. Apollo's wife is is really good in this. Like she like doesn't want him to be a boxer cuz 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 Apollo died or whatever, right? Like I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff going on here that I think's really Really good. Yeah, there's um, some
1: heavy tones to this movie. This was just a really good watch, and this is another one. It's like a, it's a little over two hours, isn't it? It's 133 minutes. Yeah. Okay, and it felt like a brisk hour 45.
2: Honestly, that's why I haven't watched it yet because time like, so I watch watching Arrival. That's about two hours. It's a it's it's a fine movie. It's great. It doesn't drag, but it's still it's a lot of time. He, and I want to sit down and watch it. I don't want to flip through my phone when I'm watching this. So when I saw like over two hours, I was like, I don't know if I want to invest that here's, right now.
0: Here's the thing about it, Eric, is you know how like like there's a there's a formula here, right? And it, this isn't like breaking the formula in any way, but Ryan Coogler has he made like almost the best version of this formulaic film that he possibly could have. It's like an absolute. Like perfect version of this kind of movie, it's, yeah. it's just it's he executed it to perfection. Can, In my opinion, and, this and is not wrote the love it deserves. Kugler wrote it. He directed it. Like he, it's his movie. Ryan Coogler made this movie happen, and it's it's awesome. Like it's really, really, really good. um So yeah,
1: this made me uh, more excited about Black Panther. I will say that.
0: Yeah, and so what's cool about Ryan Coogler is he he first he makes Fruitvale Station. And so he that gives him a lot of chips, right? Because that movie's really good. And he makes so he takes all these chips, and once he do, he gathers them up, and he says, "I'm gonna make Creed, like a mid-level uh, sports movie, because I really want to make it." Here's my story. He writes a story. He gets a script uh, writer to give him some help with the script, but it's his still his script, right? And then he makes Creed, and Creed's awesome. It's really good, and it does well. So what does Ryan Coogler do? He says, "I'm gonna cash in all my chips, and now I want to make my Black Panther movie." and from all from all accounts so far, and I mean, you can look on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has uh, allowed reviews of Black Panther are coming out. It has currently 61 reviews, and they're 100% fresh. And it says, Black Panther elevates superhero cinema to thrilling new heights while telling one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's most absorbing stories and introducing some of its most fully realized characters. Ryan Coogler is going ahead, and he is making his Black Panther movie. And I mean, just write a blank check for this guy, for whatever he wants to do. Because whatever he does, it turns out really effing good.
1: Well, and I have he trust on this guy to write a story that's interesting <laughs> with characters that are interesting, even in a larger-than-life background. Because we've seen it enough times. It's really easy to turn Rocky into a really hokey, over-the-top BS type fest. And he managed to have a really human story in there and I, with a lot of heart and soul.
0: And I'll be honest, if... The, if- you know all this like there's a lot of uh, like racial issues in Hollywood. If it was stopping us from getting more Ryan Coogler movies, I'm a little salty because they're they're all really good. I yeah. want more. I want more of them. I want more of these movies. These are really good. So um, yeah, because I mean he's made three movies and I think they're all three of the they're three of the better movies that have come out in the last ten years. You know I'd put them all in the top fifty. So uh, yeah, or I mean I haven't seen Black Panther yet, but I'm assuming I'm going to like it because <laughs> because uh, if everyone likes something, usually I like it and. Um, you know, it just looks really sweet. This, the trailers are real good.
1: Well, and it looks like they might be doing it. Michael, it B. Jor- Michael B. Jordan's bit. in it too. That's also a good thing. And Daniel Kaluuya. Like, it's got all these actors that I like. Chad and w. it Bozeman. reminds me a little bit of uh, Wonder Woman, where there's going to be some clear world building. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for that. And if they do it seamlessly or naturally, I have faith in him to pull that off. And that could make it one of my favorite Marvel movies because that's something I think Marvel's been weak on.
0: I mean, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Black Panther. I love Creed. Uh, I can't wait for Creed versus Drago. It's going to be sweet. Like, that's going to be uh, pretty awesome. I can't I, remember who they cast. I wonder how those. I wonder how they'll spin that. You know, will it be like a like a revenge movie? Like, will he be trying to revenge his dad and have to like fight against his desires to like literally murder his opponent? If anything, <laughs> I I think
2: they'll go that route and then maybe I, make Drago's son not such a bastard.
0: Yeah, right. Make him like kind of a good guy. Because they like,
2: kind of paint Drago towards the end of Rocky IV as this guy who you know was just manipulated into right. You know, I being this beast. And maybe
0: stuff. the Dragos like really regret what happened, and and Creed thinks they're fake. You
1: know, and he's like.
0: He, like, wants to murder him. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be, I think that'd be a fun, a fun, uh, interesting, dark story to tell with Creed 2.
1: Whatever it is, I trust Kugler to pull it off well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it says... I've read that Kugler that might not direct it. He might just write the story, the treatment for it, which would be sad to me. But, I mean, if he hands it off to someone he trusts, I... At this point, I'm, like, more than willing to trust his judgment in terms of, like, what... What, uh, what he thinks should happen here. So, yeah. All right. Uh, for uh, Kevin... Garber, Eric Ronnebeck. I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks!
1: because time drops, But a bag of green today.